0: Happy New Year, and welcome to our inaugural edition of the Insatiable Appetite for 2022. I'm Robertson Allen, Senior Consultant at the Hartman Group. And today I'm joined by my colleague, Eva Napstiger, who is the Director of Syndicated Research at the Hartman Group.
1: Hi, Rob, and hello everyone.
0: Um, Eva, today we're gonna be talking about our most recent syndicated work that was published earlier this week um, on January 4th called At the Dining Table 2021, American Meals and Cooking, uh, which looks at how U.S. consumers are thinking about and approaching meals today. Now, you and I both were researchers and authors for this study, so we have a lot more to talk about than the 10 or 15 minutes or so this podcast will allow, uh, but we're gonna try to cover some of the study highlights and I was thinking that perhaps we can go almost uh, chapter by chapter through the report to give listeners really an overview of the topics by chapter without getting too much into the weeds.
1: Mm -hmm. That sounds like a great plan. Um, Well, the report is presented over six chapters overall, um, and I'll start with chapter one, um, which takes a look at um, both the enduring cultural roots of meals, um, as well as more recent changes in how Americans are thinking about and approaching meals. Um, Of course, many of these are pandemic-related. And in this chapter, we also introduced the idea that consumers engage with food in different ways or dimensions. Um, So some love to cook, some hate it, some are in between. And then similarly, some are into exploring and discovering new flavors and cuisines and so forth, and some are not. Um, and then thirdly, some pay really close attention to the attributes and quality distinctions of their food. So where it comes from, what ingredients are in it, um, what these do for their meals and for their bodies. And then again, some uh, don't really pay attention to these things. Um, so we at the Hartman Group like to keep this forefront of food culture in close sight, so that we can help our clients understand what is next for our consumer or for their consumers. Um, And so for this report, we take a look at uh, three archetypes um, that are the most deeply engaged consumers along each of these uh, three dimensions that I just mentioned, Um, so cooking discovery um, and um, food attributes or distinctions. Um, And as we explore the ways that Americans go about uh, their meals throughout the report, we pay close attention to um, these three highly engaged groups.
0: Yeah, and and I was going to say, I think these archetypes can serve as a really useful framework for thinking about the the variety of ways any single person can be engaged in meals. Um, And, you know, as thinking also about chapter one of the report, you know, even though we've seen a lot of cultural changes over the decades when it comes to food and meals, and of course more recently during the pandemic, uh, one thing that we highlight in this chapter is that there is this enduring concept of an ideal meal that is still a really uh, solid consumer aspiration. And so while most consumers describe a meal as being something as balanced, uh, a meal isn't just what's eaten. Uh, they talk about a meals comprising uh, protein, carbs, vegetables, but it's not just that. Uh, they they talk about meals as being something more, an ideal meal as being something more that's shared, that's made lovingly, that's tasty, that's nutritious. Um, there's all sorts of other aspects that just get wrapped up into the concepts of what a meal should be. And uh, people, still are trying to achieve this ideal but there's just so many things that get in the way of their realization of it.
1: That's really true. There are not only things that get in the way which often is lack of time, lack of energy and often inspiration, Um, but also just such a variety of uh, consumer routines and approaches to meals in the first place Um, and that's kind of the focus of chapter two. Uh, There's really no one way that Americans go about meals and important to understand there's no one way that a single American or a single American household uh, goes about meals either. So if you take, for instance, consumers express preferences for trying new foods uh, versus sticking with familiar ones, um, there's a lot of overlap in consumers identifying with each preference. uh, So pointing to Shifting priorities in a single consumers uh, day as they move um, from different day part across different day parts or across different days and situations. Um, Or it simply expresses the fact that one can truly enjoy both new and old tastes. And then we see something similar among parents, for example, um, with high overlap in those reporting uh, close management of their children's diet and at the same time, those that express sort of capitulation in uh the face of picky eaters and this may speak to both the ebb and flow of parenting realities um, and to the tensions between parental aspirations and those daily realities Mm -hmm. and then uh, aside from these overall orientations around meals and food in general this chapter also looks at uh, some of the recent shifts in uh, some specific aspects of meals so for example um, Daily meal and snack routines um, or the shifts in eating meals alone, social meals or beverage consumption at meals, um, etc. And then um, we take a really close look at the execution of meals uh, in chapters three, four and five, which each with each, I'm sorry, with each of these chapters focusing on planning, procuring and preparation of meals. And we have them listed in this order, but um, as the chapters will convey, the process is not always as linear as this, uh, with any of these components possibly overlapping.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one area especially where I think that nonlinear process is really captured uh, with a variety of ways consumers approach their meals is in the planning process. Um, That's chapter three. Um, And, you know, it's just so varied. Uh, Some people are coming up with weekly meal plans and shopping lists, and others are just kind of taking occasions as they come and going with what they have on hand. Um, But really one of the unifying needs that consumers most uh, express is this heightened need for inspiration. Uh, It's always been there, but with more people cooking and eating at home during the pandemic, It's really left a lot of people feeling like they're in a rut, like they're wanting something new. And so while 65% of consumers say that deciding what's for dinner is something that they look forward to, um, and this number has gone up over the past four years, 46% say that they struggle with ideas for meals on a weekly basis.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this struggle fits nicely into what we look at in our next chapter, which is on procuring meals. Um, We'll have a whole study coming out this summer that will focus specifically on sourcing and shopping. Um, So this chapter takes uh, a look at the more generalized types of sourcing. Um, So foods or meals prepared at home, sourced from a restaurant or bought as ready to eat foods at the grocery store. And the majority of meals are of course prepared at home with ingredients found at home. Um, And most of these often come from a grocery retailer. But restaurants, especially dining out in person, but also ordering out, um, take the prize as the go-to solutions for a broad variety of needs in consumers' minds. Um, They represent uh, an opportunity to obtain a treat or be cared for to socialize, explore food, um, satisfy a specific craving, or just simply avoid having to cook an important one. Um, And of course, consumers end up cooking at home more often because they're mindful of their diets and their budgets, but restaurants always stand out as this extra fun thing um, that they can do. But it's important to keep in mind that a meal does not have to come from a single source. Um, and consumers get quite creative in how they compose their meals in this respect so um, we also take a look at what we call a mixed meal that is a meal that includes components made at home or sourced from a restaurant or sourced as uh, ready-to-eat foods from a store so two or three of these sources together on a single plate and then as a special type of source that can span any of these three main sources, uh, consumers have been making a really good use of leftovers. Uh, so that's also something we take a special look at in this chapter. Um, having something left over from a prior meal is often the trigger for having a mixed meal. but. Consumers also explicitly plan for leftovers, with uh, the majority actually doing that at least once a week when cooking at home. Um, and then a minority also thinking about this when ordering at or from um, a restaurant, so planned
0: leftovers. Yeah, yeah. people, people love the leftovers. Um, um, which brings us to our chapter on preparing meals, uh, the topic of Chapter 5, and you know, of consumers say that they love or like cooking, but just as many hate having to clean up afterwards. And I certainly understand that, Um, (laughs) but it's not surprising that consumers are cooking at home more often uh, and they're cooking more from scratch and they're cooking alone more often since the start of the pandemic. Um, And this extra time in the kitchen has meant that a good number have say that they've picked up new skills in the kitchen, um, especially those who are less frequent cooks because they're they're starting out from a lower uh, base level of skills in the, in the first place. And I think one of the most interesting data points in this chapter is just in how many people have got not only appliances during the pandemic but specifically air fryers uh, fully <laughs> of all consumers have got an air fryer since March 2020. And we've looked looked at other data sources to validate this stat because it just seems so high, but it's true. Um, We heard almost universal acclaim from consumers who use air fryers, and that's not like other appliances. Um, People were a little bit more mixed on more common appliances from uh, previous years, uh, the Instapont craze uh, from a few years ago, um, being a little bit more mixed opinions about those appliances. Um, But I think one of the main points we make in this preparing chapter gets back really to how consumer aspirations for scratch cooking meet and come up against these everyday realities. Um, It just takes more time to cook from scratch. It takes more energy, more mental effort And so one area where these needs can be met by clients is in delivering um, so-called scratch cooking solutions uh, that can help with that. Uh, Meal kits are kind of a classic example at this point, but they're not the only one. Uh, There's all sorts of different kinds of uh, solutions like pre-cut vegetables, pre-marinated meats, canned staples. All of these help consumers get further along that scratch cooking spectrum. Um, and scratch cooking in consumers minds is definitely not an all-or-nothing thing. Um, What about their final chapter, Eva?
1: Right, uh, the final chapter, chapter six, um, is uh, slightly different. It takes an in-depth look at uh, the individual day parts across the day, Uh, so breakfast, lunch, and dinner occasions, and it draws uh, from both the survey that was conducted specifically for this study, and also from the latest data in our proprietary Compass Eating Occasions Database, um, which we've been fielding since uh, 2012. Um, But This chapter specifically takes uh, a look at trends uh, from 2019 in order to get at some of the uh, more recent pandemic-related trends. So uh, it's presented in a dashboard style and uh, just has such a wealth of data. Um, We look at not only the what, where and who, so what was eaten and drunk at each day part occasion, uh, where it took place or who was there, uh, but we also present um, what types of needs uh, are most prevalent at each of these occasions and what is most important in these occasions how far in advance the meal is planned and sourced, uh, where the items come from, and then um, when a meal is skipped, what might be the reasons uh, for that? Um, so there's, there's really a wide variety of, of data in these slides, and you can really see how um, the different needs shift throughout the day here. Um, so for example, while getting positive nutrition is the most important uh, in breakfast, Uh, for example, um, it falls in priority later uh, in the day and um, having something tasty grows in importance instead uh, as we get towards dinner.
0: Yeah, well, that's just about all the time that we have for today. Um, It's really been my pleasure working with you, Eva, for a a second time on a Hartman syndicated research study Um, And I hope this podcast gives listeners a good introduction to some of the topics that we cover in this meals study. Um, Really, there's such a wealth of information in the report and from multiple data streams as well. We have, uh, as Eva mentioned, trended data, generational uh, looks, uh, analysis of these three different types of archetypes of consumers' engagement in meals, quantitative and qualitative perspectives and uh, finishing up with a robust implications and recommendations section uh, at the very end to make things relevant to your business. Uh, So do please get in touch if you're interested in learning more about the study. And as always, thanks for listening and wishing you all a happy 2022.